Welcome to the 3D world with OpenGL and Vulkan. Hello and welcome to the OpenGL and Vulkan podcast. And today we're going to talk about WebGL. Well, WebGL, first of all, is the OpenGL implementation for the browser. And the most important point for you should be that it's really widely spread about all browsers today. So you can really run your WebGL application on any modern browser like Firefox, Chrome, Internet Explorer, Safari, all the mobile ones on Android and iPhones. So you should be pretty fine when you're using WebGL that you know your application will be running on any system. So what do you need to do to come up with a WebGL application? Well, of course, WebGL means it's running in the browser. So if we're talking about a browser, we are talking about HTML. And of course, HTML is not a programming language. It's just a markup language. So you need some kind of programming language to do WebGL in your browser. And in this case, it's JavaScript. If you have not worked with JavaScript so far, but you have coded in Java or in C++ or any other high-level language, then um, you should be on a good way uh, moving to JavaScript because it's really quite, quite similar. Um, of course, there are major differences, but the basic syntax is, is quite similar, so you should have no problem finding your way into JavaScript. So what do you need to do? First of all, WebGL is based on OpenGL ES 2.0. Um, although it has not all the functionalities from ES 2.0, it has most of the functionalities. And um, this means, of course, you need to use the so-called programmable pipeline, which means you need to write shaders. So you need to have a vertex shader and a fragment shader. Currently, there is no other shader support in WebGL. So you need to come up with these two basic shaders. And the writing of the shaders and the writing of the entire application is very, very similar to the OpenGL ES 2.0. So if you know the mobile version, the embedded version of OpenGL, then it should be very easy for you to get into WebGL. So what do you need to do in, in simple steps? Well, for WebGL, you need to have the HTML element canvas. The canvas is just the place on your website where all the 3D stuff will happen for you. So you need to create this canvas in HTML. That's just one tag you need to place there. And from that point on, it's really pure JavaScript to create a so-called WebGL context on your canvas and then use all the known OpenGL functions. When I say known OpenGL functions, of course, I'm referring to the OpenGL ES 2.0 functions because let's say something between 19 and 95 percent of these functions are available in webgl just as well and uh, the function names of course are the same and the parameters are mostly all the same as well but uh, let's just go through it uh, step by step so you've created your webgl context on the on the canvas on the webgl canvas so the next step that you should take um, should be creating your shaders. So you need to come up with this vertex shader and the fragment shader. You need to write them. There are two ways to, to manage them here as well. You could just have them as a string inside your JavaScript, or you may just load them by Ajax or some, some other way to get them into your WebGL application. 
Sometimes it's a bit tricky to work with the symbols which mean greater or smaller than. Um, you know this, um, the symbol which looks like an HTML tag closing or opening. So these symbols uh, sometimes get a bit tricky in JavaScript strings because JavaScript was made to work with HTML and in HTML these symbols are tricky symbols. But um, you will pretty easy find your way how to use them anyway. So you come up with the source code of your shaders and as usual you need to compile the shaders, you need to attach them to a program object that's all the same like in the other applications that you do in OpenGL. And you need to compile those and the functions in JavaScript are all just the same. So this shouldn't be too tricky. Once you've got your shaders in your pipeline up and running, um, you're at the point where you want to provide data. And here's one major difference, because in WebGL, you can't just draw right away from your array. You may do this in desktop versions, you may do this in the embedded version, I guess in almost any other OpenGL implementation today, although it's not the best way to do it, but you, are, you can do it, but you can't do this in WebGL. And this is just because, make clear for yourself, all that you're doing there needs to be passed through through the browser uh, to the graphic card. So the browser should not handle more stuff than necessary. So what you can't do in, in WebGL is using drawing from an array directly. But what you can do, of course, is creating a vertex buffer object from your data and then draw from this one. So for every data you want to draw in WebGL, you have no other choice then creating a vertex buffer object, which means the data is copied once to your graphic card. And from there, using the handle of it, you can draw it over and over again. So this is one of the major differences when you work with WebGL. There is no direct drawing from arrays. You always need to create vertex buffer object. That's the one major point you should keep in mind. Another point about this vertex buffer object, and I guess that's a general good point for OpenGL um, embedded versions at least, that you keep the size of your of a vertices uh, smaller than the size of a short int, which means this 65,000, I don't know. Because all the vertices, all the corner points, any single vertice is indexed by OpenGL and especially by, by WebGL, of course, as well. So um, when you've got too many of these points, you come up um, with a problem where your system may need to copy data back from the graphic card to the application and then the other way around just to be able to draw it at all. And you don't want to end up in this situation. So one basic idea, keep your vertex buffer object vertice count, your geometric point count, smaller than the length of a short in 64. 5,000, I don't know, I can't recall the number right now. But this is what you should keep in mind. So once you've got your data there as a vertex buffer object on the graphic card, um, you could just draw it like you used to draw it in, in OpenGL ES or OpenGL desktop versions. You just bind the buffer and then you tell OpenGL to draw it and you're, you're fine. So there's no big change here. There's just one other big difference to OpenGL ES 2.0 I'd like to mention and this is that you don't have vertex array objects here which means you don't have this nice tool where you can encapsulate all the steps that are required to set your attrib pointer locations and to bind the proper ver vertex buffer objects 
and to encapsulate this all in vertex array object. This is not available in WebGL, so you just need to do it all step by step on your own. You need to bind the proper buffer. You need to uh, set the um, enable the vertex attrib. Uh, pointers. You need to set the pointers properly to the proper location and provide it with the information where to find the data. So this is just another point in WebGL that's a bit different than the OpenGL uh, ES implementation. But um, with these two major differences, you should be fine. Of course, there are a few more. Um, just like example, GL Finish is not working at all in a browser implementation. That's just... Uh, Again, due to the point that the browser needs to handle all this stuff, that would be a bit tricky to explain in technical terms, but there is no GL finish in this case. If you want to make sure um, a draw call has been finished properly, what you could use, for example, that's what I always do and which works pretty fine for me, although I'm not quite sure if this is the official way, you could just go with um, GL read pixel, because to read a pixel, uh, I'm quite sure the draw process needs to be done till that point. So I guess read pixel in the browser forces the draw process to finish first of all before you can read the pixel. So doing a read pixel of the size of one, which means one pixel uh, randomly, uh, should um, make pretty sure that your code is holding till that point until um, the draw is done and you can read the pixel. But this is just my impression right now. I haven't tested it uh, completely, but this should be something you could try as well. So what more should you know about WebGL? Well, one question could be, how fast is this? Because you may think, hey, JavaScript uh, and a scripting language running in the browser, this can't be fast enough to do a game application. Well, surprisingly, it is fast enough. I was surprised myself. I have used JavaScript for many, many years um, for doing web programming, and I never thought of it being such a fast language, being able to do such cool stuff in the browser, but indeed it is. Of course, it's way slower than a compiled language like C++, um, but it's it's fine for, for WebGL and doing the basic logics, logics of a game. So you can use it. You can really do cool 3D games in the browser, which will run on any device that you know, by just using WebGL and JavaScript. And um, one major advantage that I see here, why I'm doing a lot of WebGL applica applications right now, the development phase is way faster. When you're used to JavaScript, um, there is no nasty compiling errors, no linking errors. You just upload the data, it's running and it's fine. And um, JavaScript as well is not so strict when it comes to data types. So you can uh, code a bit quick and dirty and just make it running first of all. And once you've done it and it's running as you want it to be, you can fine tune it anyway. Something that would be not as easy in C, C++ because the compiler would always complain about what you're doing there. So one advice for me is when you're starting with OpenGL and when you're starting with 3D programming, you may start with WebGL because I guess it would be easier for you to get into it because a lot of this nasty stuff that keeps you from coding on desktop versions or embedded versions um, is not there when you're using WebGL because the browser is there, the browser is fine, WebGL is implemented, you just put in your JavaScript and it's running. So 
give it a try. Go ahead and start coding WebGL. And if you have any questions about it, of course, you may contact me. So um, if you don't have the basic knowledge about what you need to code WebGL, I could just give you once more the hint that we're doing just another workshop uh, in two days, which means the 9th of December two, uh, 2015. We are doing the third part of our workshop and this time we will learn about shader programming, which is the basic for your um, WebGL application. So you may join us. We are doing this quite early uh, Central European time once and then in the evening again. So nine o'clock um, a.m. once we're doing this workshop and nine o'clock p.m. Central European time, which means each of you should be able to join this one. So once more, that's the 9th of December. I will provide the link to the workshop and all the information that you need on the website again, opengl2go.net. That's where you will find all the information about this podcast as well. And uh, you could just join us. And you should watch out when you're interested in WebGL because I guess still in December, we will do the fourth part of our workshop where we will actually be doing WebGL. So we will be coding in JavaScript a WebGL application in the browser um, and you could join us there as well. Okay, that should it be for today. And um, just as I got some feedback on another podcast where I ended the podcast with a song, I will just come up with another song for you today as well. So you could just keep your thoughts spinning about this podcast and what you have just heard about WebGL and maybe Google some stuff to check um, how this is actually working while you're listening to some music. Thank you for listening to this podcast today and uh, hope to see you next time. Bye. me
Thank you.